Welcome to all of you from your centers. Last week, there was a question from the center in Thailand about clinging and attachment. We saw that the Venerable Arahant Chakupala established his Satchaparami, or his vow of truth, in order to practice for the ending of all suffering. And he undertook one of the Dutanga, or austere practices, of not lying down for the entire three-month rains retreat. This layperson had the doubt whether practicing in this way was correct. Is this type of practice a form of clinging and attachment? Today I'd like to answer in a more detailed way so that everyone may understand about this. If I say anything incorrectly, whether from the last occasion or on this occasion, May I ask for forgiveness from the Buddha's noble disciple, the Venerable Arahant Chakupala. So we need to understand that clinging and attachment is the cause for suffering to arise. When we cling and attach to something, then suffering arises in our minds. But here the Venerable Arahant Chakupala upheld his austere practice with the vow of truth that he had determined to keep. His Satcha Parami was set up strictly in the Dutanga practice, the supreme practices of the Noble Ones that speed up the attainment of the paths and fruits of Nibbana. He established his vow of truth to not lie down during the three months, not at all allowing his back to touch the ground or a wall. This is an austere practice that is very difficult to do. Practicing like this, he was one imbued with the full and supreme perfection of Satchaparami, the spiritual perfection of truthfulness. If one had weaker Satchaparami, then if they came to meet with obstacles, they would change and give up their vow of truth. Here, someone of vast Parami even if their body would be disabled or they'd have to die, they won't throw away their Satchaparami. In this case, the Venerable Chakupala didn't throw away his vow of truth at all because of the strength of his mind that he wasn't heedless at all. His mind had no attachment to hold on to this austere practice, but instead... The keeping of the austere practice was Satchaparami, his perfection of truthfulness. We have to separate the meaning of attachment and the meaning of truthfulness. Firstly, we understand that the meaning of Upadana or attachment is the cause for suffering to arise. But Venerable Chakupala practiced with a firm mind that was resolved to free itself from suffering. He had the sincerity to practice, and this is a supreme goodness. And we can see that his sila samadhi panya, or his morality, concentration and wisdom, came together, and this gave rise to the insight knowledges, and it led ultimately to the fruit of arahantship. He was free from the cycle of birth and death, vata sangsara. 
but those with clinging and attachment must be born and die in this cycle of samsara. So the spiritual perfection of truthfulness is important. Because if we have the perfection of truthfulness, then kanti parami, the spiritual perfection of patience, will follow as well. However difficult it becomes, he won't throw away his vow to keep the austere practices. Although if Venerable Chakupala lied down and applied the medicine to his eyes, his eyes wouldn't have become blind, but he would break his vow of truthfulness, and he wouldn't accept throwing away his vow of truth. Here let us anumodana and rejoice at the goodness and the satcha parami of the Venerable Arahant Chakupala, who firmly determined to put forth effort until he could attain to the fruit of arahantship. He was a noble disciple of the Buddha and is a great example of one who upheld his Satchaparami to the highest level. If we are determined to keep our Satchaparami, this becomes strength and power that helps our mind progress well. And there is a teaching of Venerable Ajahn Chah where he explained about clinging and attachment in an easily understandable way. This is good to look at as Buddhism teaches us to not cling and attach. And this may be difficult for us to hear, or hearing it, we may not understand it in its entirety, and not understand it deeply. What is not clinging and attaching like? Let us think about this through looking at some simple examples. Like if we pick up a flashlight, then we need to pick it up, hold it, and to look at it first and analyze it. Or if we have a cup of water, then we need to hold it and pick it up. Then we contemplate the cup to see what its purpose is for. When we understand the meaning of the object, that this is a flashlight, this is a cup of water, and we understand what we use it for. When we understand it, then we can put it down. This is attaching then contemplating with wisdom, then putting it down. But we aren't attaching to it firmly. And this applies to other things as well. Like when we do walking meditation. We may think that if we don't want to walk meditation, then we shouldn't do it. Otherwise, we will be walking meditation with desire and that would make the mind all agitated. This is one example. We may say that wanting to walk meditation is desire and is coming from the mental defilements. And this may be right for an ordinary human who is still practicing. But we could also say that we are starting to build our parami, our spiritual potential. And even though we may have desire in doing it, but we are building our spiritual potential. Here we have to understand that letting go or having wisdom has two parts. Venerable Ajahn Chah explained it very clearly. The wisdom in regards to the cause needs to hold and pick up the rupa or nama, the physical or mental object, pick it up, contemplate it, and analyze it first. And it isn't that thinking and proliferation is stopped. We have to use thinking and proliferation to contemplate it. We haven't yet become equanimous in regards to the object or subject yet. 
but wisdom in regards to the result. That is when one knows clearly already that clinging and attachment is suffering. Then one lets go. One stops and becomes equanimous. This is wisdom arising. This equanimity arises once wisdom arises. So we should understand this. Venerable Arahant Chakupala, the noble disciple of the Buddha, whose mind had no attachment to his body already, he practiced wholeheartedly with his courageous mind until he had the strength of samadhi or concentration to a high level and his mind did not suffer over his body and he contemplated until his mind was free of attachments. Here we Anumodana, his spiritual perfections of truthfulness, of effort and of wisdom. May you all have truthfulness, have effort and have wisdom arise in your mind. Today I will also talk of the five blessings that the monks give and what their meanings is. The five blessings are Ayuwana, Sukha, Pala, Patipana. The word Ayu means having a long life, having the strength of life that results in a long life. For Wana, it has many meanings as well. It may mean beautiful skin and features, or may mean the bright complexion, a radiant face, the receiving of praise from all the goodness and virtue that we have done, having good status and fulfilling one's responsibilities and work well, and improving one's rank and status. These are wana as well, or having prosperity and stability in Dhamma practice and in one's work. This is wana that is complete. And sukha means the features of body have happiness, the mind has happiness. The body is not sick and can do work easily, and one has no obstacles from one's body. It has few illnesses, and one has happiness in the heart. The mind has goodness, it feels spacious and fresh and has no worries. Even if one has a lot of external wealth, the mind still has happiness. Or the happiness can be of many types, such as happiness from having wealth and happiness from using wealth. Or when we like something that has no harm to anyone, then when we do it, we have happiness. These are examples of happiness of body and mind. Bala, this is strength, physical strength, good health of one's body. One can do activities and work easily and doesn't get tired. One has lots of strength, has strength of mind. And if one faces different obstacles, then one has the mindfulness and wisdom to help overcome those obstacles always. One has financial strength that one can use and it sustains oneself in society and supports our livelihood and we can live in society with happiness. Or higher than this, it is the strength of mindfulness and wisdom, having good learning, knowing about merit and demerit, right and wrong, having the ability and skill in different work and activities. These are called bala or strength, both in body and mind. If we talk of power in terms of the mind, then it can be separated in many ways, such as having faith, where there is the ordinary faith and there is the faith that is a power. This is a strength of faith that is greater than other people's. 
in doing acts of generosity and in making merit and helping others. We can do it very well and often. We do these acts and the mind becomes uplifted as well. We have effort in doing goodness. Like some of us who have the effort to offer alms every day, whether all through the rains retreat or even all through the year, doing this requires one to have faith to do goodness more than an ordinary level. We can give alms, coming all the way from Rayong City, going to Wat Mapchan in the forest often. We have effort and determination. We recollect the goodness we have done. We have mindfulness and determination and we have the wisdom to contemplate and understand the drawbacks of not being generous and the benefits of generosity. But it isn't only for dana or generosity only. It is about keeping the moral precepts and is also about dhamma practice and meditation for the arising of wisdom as well. And this wisdom, when we build a lot of it, then patibhana or intelligence arises. It's wisdom that is sharper and quicker and is able to overcome the feelings that arise in the mind. When we have various forms of suffering arise in the mind or different problems come up, this wisdom and intelligence can overcome them well. On the physical level, there are some things that can be overcome by way of our natural human instincts. But if we have wisdom and intelligence, then we can overcome and get past many different situations and problems that one may face. For example, there was one lay woman in the time of the Buddha whose husband was a thief. He had bad thoughts towards her and had the evil intention to push her off a cliff. But this was a woman who had the spiritual potential to attain to arahantship in that lifetime. She wouldn't lose her life for sure. She was imbued with a lot of mindfulness and wisdom and she had the intelligence or quick wit that she could overcome difficulties quickly. And this would allow her to survive from this dangerous situation. She could keep her life and she later was able to practice until she attained to becoming a bhikkhuni arahant. So this is an example of intelligence. And so what is the cause that one does in order to gain the blessings of ayuwana sukha pala patipana, long life, beauty, happiness, strength and intelligence? Following what the Buddha said, that those who offer alms food to the monks will gain ayuwana sukha pala patipana all at once. So this is one type of causal action. We can also look at the story in the Buddha's time of the venerable Arahant Bakula. He had built up much parami from the past by offering medicine to the Buddha Anumodasi and the Buddha Padumutara and offered medicines to the Sangha who had caught a grass flower disease. In one past life, he was an ascetic who had made medicines with a determination that by the results of this offering of medicine to the Buddha, may he be born as one having no illnesses and be the foremost of all the monks who had no illnesses in the Buddha Sasana. And then in his last life, he was born in our Buddha's time and was held to be the foremost of all the monks who had little sicknesses. Even a headache he never had. And Venerable Pakula ordained when he was 80 years of age and passed away into Parinibbana at 160 years of age. 
He had no sicknesses, even just a little. Next week I will talk more on the story of Venerable Pakula. So we can see that the result of building goodness can be from offering alms food, offering medicines to overcome illnesses, and it is a cause for us to have long life, beauty, happiness, strength and intelligence to arise. And for intelligence to arise, we need to build up and promote our spiritual potential as well. We need to learn and listen to Dhamma. We need to associate with the wise. And we ask various questions on Dhamma. Or in the worldly ways, we have learning and education and know those who are proficient in our work or field. And in the Dhamma, we need to find those who are wise in the Dhamma and ask Dhamma to those people often investigate and contemplate the Dhamma, listen to the Dhamma, and grow in mindfulness and wisdom always. When we build spiritual potential, it is a cause for wisdom and intelligence to arise. May you keep building goodness, whether it is offering alms food, medicines to overcome illnesses, or putting effort into learning and training our mind to grow in wisdom, in the world and in the Dhamma then we will have happiness with all of long life, beauty, happiness, strength and intelligence. May you all grow in blessings.